is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Let's talk about voting today. Let's talk about voting today. Have you voted? Are you voting? Well, guess what? More than 209,000 people have voted. That's more than double what we had at this time four years ago. I'm Santita Jackson. You're listening to WC. T820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, NAM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Tonight, we will be giving you wall-to-wall coverage. Santita Jackson will be joining Joan Esposito and Patty Vasquez. We will be anchoring this coverage here. You don't want to miss it. We're going to have uh, Jerry Riles and George Bush and all of our people out in the field at the Ballas campaign, at the Lightfoot campaign, at the Johnson campaign, and, and the Garcia campaign, Sophia King's campaign, Mr. Buckner, State Representative Buckner's campaign, Alderman Sawyer's campaign, Jamal Green's campaign. We have got a lot of people out here who are going to be giving you the latest and the greatest, Dr. Willie Wilson's campaign. All of these people, nine persons, nine persons, they will be phoning in and we will be phoning out to them. So we want you, I want to know what your thoughts are today. More than 209,000 people have voted early voting. Um, Mail-in voting is a factor. Uh, But police council races are a factor. 15 open city council seats. Uh, There's just a lot going on. And people are making themselves known, making their presence felt. But in west side neighborhoods and some south side neighborhoods, the voting is down. So what will that mean? What will that portend? For the results tonight, many are saying that we will not have a definitive result tonight. Uh, we'll have some indication of who will be in the runoff. Well, we'll certainly know at least one person will be on the run- in the runoff, but we don't know who the second person will be. Will it be Mayor Lightfoot? According to the polls, she might pull it out. Uh, Brandon Johnson is surging. Congressman Chuy Garcia, he's a factor. Dr. Willie Wilson, I don't know. Will the church turn out for him? Sophia King, will there be any surprises? Jamal Green, on and on and on. Today, we're going to have Reverend Jesse Jackson weighing in. We're going to have Tiffany Walden from the tribe, a wonderful media outfit that is giving us, media organization that's giving us tremendous Chicago coverage. Uh, We're going to have Kitty Kurth, Kevin Lampy, Reverend Dr. Marshall Hatch from New Mount Pilgrim, from the Mafia Redemption Project over on the west side. And, of course, Pastor Stephen Thurston here on the South Side, New Covenant, and Salem Baptist Church. We have got a lot of people who are going to be talking to us about what is happening in this city. And, um, indeed, it's a national, it's a national, uh, it's a national campaign. They were talking about it on all of the major networks this morning. So let's get to it. I want to hear what you're going to do. Call me at 773. 773- Seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. I'm going to go. I told you to vote with my dad today, so I'm going to be running off air, everybody. Because I got to meet him down at the super site downtown. We're going to meet uh, just after about eight thirty or so, so we can go on and vote. All right, everybody. Let's get to it in Chicago. It is going to be a cloudy day. 42 degrees, though. Won't be that cold. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, 37 degrees. Mostly cloudy. We are about to begin the soccer season. The Chicago Fire will be on fire. Certainly, we hope so. Saturday, March 4th, they will kick things off when they face off against New York City. And, um, hmm, 
In the NBA, the Timberwolves will be facing off against the Clippers, and the Bulls will be playing the Raptors in the NHL. The Ducks for Chicago, too. The Islanders will be playing the Wild, everybody. So let's get you all of these headlines throughout the world. We have got wild, crazy weather wherever you go. Please, everybody, be careful. Be careful as you're traveling. Please call and check and see if your plane is going to leave. The Supreme Court will take up two challenges today concerning President Biden's student loan forgiveness program. Many people, millions upon millions, could have up to $20,000 of student loans forgiven. Uh, decision expected is expected by late June or early July. We will see what's going to happen. This will impact millions of people. $430 billion of federal student loan debt is on the line, everybody. In a surprise visit to Kiev on Monday, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen met with the Ukrainian President Zelensky to reaffirm U.S. economic support and to announce the recent transfer of $1.25 billion in assistance. Nearly 50 million people across the Northeast are under winter weather alerts today as a storm that brought tornadoes and damaging floods and winds to the central United States, where we are, sweeps into the Northeast. And those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show today. Let us get to the good news with Pastor Stephen Thurston. He just retired as a teaching pastor at Salem Baptist Church in the House of Hope, but he is over at New Covenant. We're so grateful that he's at that iconic church with his family, with my family. I count them among my family. This is one of my home churches. So glad you're with us today. We need some good news. But first, you change the time. I just want to remind people for your Facebook Live event that you hold weekly. When can we see you on Facebook Live, Pastor? On Fridays, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Fridays, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. And you can just search my name if you don't already follow me. Stephen with the PH, Stephen Thurston. This Friday, I'm going to be talking to leaders and helping people in leadership positions because sometimes leaders have vision, but their people, their followers have cataracts. So how can leaders best navigate that? That's what we're talking about this week. Yes. Oh, they got cataracts too, but we don't even have them out. Oh, damn, Pastor. Oh, what's on your mind today? You be quiet and just give us some good <laughs> I want to I want to help individuals that are listening today that are working themselves to death, and I want to remind you that you don't have to do it. Listen, I've spent the majority of my life around individuals who are high achievers, sixty to eighty work hour weeks. I mean, people like Santita's dad, who I was with, just workaholics. And, and that was part of the course. And seeing him drive so hard, it often gave me the perspective of how things should be if I wanted to achieve my goals. The message that was constantly communicated to me was that if I wanted to be successful, I just had to work hard. And like so many others, I view pulling long hours, being exhausted, feeling drained and stressed out as normal. But the reality is that none of this is or should be considered normal. And what I framed as a point of pride was actually kind of pitiful, especially when my doctors pointed it out to me. Uh, it was after witnessing a friend literally crash and burn from some similar behavior that I began the journey of embracing and practicing self-care. I began to value the importance of stopping every once in a while and simply enjoying the moment rather than always rushing forward to the next spot. And the good news is that just because you spend a long time and a lot of time doing things in the wrong way doesn't mean you have to continue. 
if you're exhausted from constantly pushing yourself, perhaps a few lessons I've learned can be of value to you today. Number one, I want you to maintain some me time. Someone I know has a no work policy sent it on the weekends. That means no emails, no working on projects, no meetings until Monday. And I've tried this, my own version of it, which has allowed me to schedule more time to dedicate to myself. And one benefit is that setting aside rest periods, then I was forced to get work done during my designated work periods. Number two, I want you to learn how to say no. Whenever anyone asks me for assistance, I would oftentimes feel obligated to help. If I didn't give the person some of my time, I would end up feeling guilty. Somebody else out there can testify to this feeling. Even if that person didn't really expect my help in the first place, I would still feel as if I should have done something. But I've gradually realized that it's okay to say no. I can't agree to every single request or help everybody who asks for it. I only have a limited amount of time and energy, so I have to choose how I spend it. And declining an invitation or request doesn't make me or you a bad person. It simply means you're spending time on the things that matter the most. Third, I want you to respect rest. For the longest time, I was hesitant about taking holidays and vacations because it meant I'm not working, and I feared what I would lose by not constantly working. If I wasn't working, something may fall through the cracks. I won't be making progress. And I felt the need to simply keep going, delay my gratification. However, when I stepped back and stepped away from my regular routine, it gave me the opportunity to try new things and explore new things, which enabled me to see envision new ideas that I could integrate back into my work and into my life when I came back to those spaces of work. It also helped me to delegate and empower those around me because if you're in leadership and things are going to fall away, fall apart, if you walk away, that means you're not a great leader. That's empowering other people to carry the load and become their best. Quiet the voice inside of you that's telling you to do more and be more. And trust that in this moment, who you are, where you are, and what you're doing is simply enough. You're going to get to where you need to be in your own time. And until then, here's what I need you to do. For it to be a good day and for you to continue to get some good news in your life, you got to breathe. Breathe and be patient with yourself, your process. You are doing the best that you can to cope and to survive amid all of your struggles and and, and all of the things that are on your plate. And that's all you can ask of yourself. It's enough. And guess what? You're enough just as you are. Amen, 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 amen. And this is the most excellent pivot, uh, Pastor, to, to Dr. Shanina Knighton, because I was going to ask her about the importance, Pastor Thurston, of rest. Mm-hmm. You know, she and Dr. Deborah Verholden will always get on me about my poor sleep habits, my poor sleep hygiene, as they put it. Uh, well, you know, that's true. And I would find that um, for many years I would get sick at the end of the year. You know, I've had pneumonia multiple times because... Bacterial pneumonia, you take an antibiotic, you knock it out your system. But if you have viral pneumonia, as I do, it's opportunistic. When you get tired, when you get run down, if you don't catch it quickly, pneumonia is 
is going to be sitting with you. And so I want to ask you, as we talk about it, preventing infection, as we hear more and more about diseases and a new virus and a new this and a new that, you've also been very purposeful about telling us the things that we have the power that we can do without without even leaving our seat, if you will. You can wash your hands. You don't have to leave home to do that. You can wash your hands properly. But I don't think that we really, really understand how important rest is, how important sleep is, Dr. Knighton, or am I mistaken? Very important, and I think what it comes down to is it's your body's ability to rest and repair itself. So when you don't get sleep, your body's constantly moving, it's constantly going, it's not at a rest state. It's not at a state where it can repair itself as best as it can because it's still up moving, it's still up thinking that it has to do something. We're feeling like this, you know, I would say fight or flight mode. So our body is really busy in having to defend us while we're up and moving. Whereas when you get rest and you're laying there and you're actually asleep, it's going through a repair process. Your immune system is restoring itself. It is very important to do so even when we are sick because if you're not doing so, your body's already fighting itself. And just imagine being up walking around. You're still burning calories even if you don't want to while being actively up moving. So it's important to get rest, especially if you're ill. That's why they say get rest and they say drink plenty of fluids because it's a part of that restorative process of being able to get your body back to a good state. And we've all heard of like a saying that's called homeostasis. And it's just being able to get your body back to like this stable state. And I'm trying to describe it as easy as I can, but just like this, just like a place of, con- uh, of comfort, like a neutral ground. How much sleep does one need, or does that vary from person to person? I mean, some people don't feel right unless they've had eight hours. Other people do well on six. I mean, does it vary from person to person, to person or is there, is there a hard, hard rule on how much sleep one needs to repair and restore? So it's said, and I mean it's statistically speaking, but um, Sleep Foundation, others say that like an adult, need somewhere between seven and nine hours. Like, that would be for an older adult. And, like, someone that's just, let's say, an adult that's probably up to 60 would still need, like, seven or more hours. It's important to get that sleep because, again, your body is going through this restorative process. And as we get older, the need to repair our bodies. Like, think about how somebody will say, oh, you're not a spring chicken anymore, or a cut that would take a short period of time to heal as a young person. When you get older, it takes longer. It's because your body has to do way more in order to be able to restore. Our metabolism and different things slow down. Then you look at, let's say, like a kid, a teenager, and somebody might say, well, how many hours of sleep do they need? And it's about between, like, 8 to 10 hours, you know, like, which is sounds like a lot. 
but for them, their growth hormone, which like is, you know, like let's say, I don't want to get too detailed, but their bones. So growth hormones that's associated with their bones in order for them to get taller, it doesn't kick in until after like that eighth hour of sleep. And so a lot of kids or a lot of parents don't realize it, but they stunt their kids' growth just by them not getting adequate sleep at night. So if like you want to compromise and say, oh, well, seven hours is enough for my kid, but they're missing out on a growth hormone because it doesn't kick into the body until they get that eighth hour of sleep, seventh or eighth hour of sleep. But some parents just don't know that. And so they might let their kids stay up and think that six hours is enough. But really kids are supposed to have between eight and 10 hours. So optimally, you know, when we're looking particularly, I didn't know about this hormone. I don't know if Pastor Thurston knew about this either, but certainly I didn't know about this with respect to our children. Um, so we really need to optimize conditions, you know, for, well, for a vulnerable class, which which are our children. But what about our elders? I mean, do they need, well, it seems to me that your body just grabs what it needs, Dr. Knighton. You know, when you're sick, you sleep, you can sleep a lot, you know. I mean, and I said, well, my body needs to needs to heal, and it's not going to heal while I'm running a marathon. I mean, just rest is very, very important for restoration. I guess that's the point that I'm trying to make here, because I think that we miss, Dr. Knight, there's so many little things that we miss, and all these little bricks make the building, Right. They do, and we get so focused on one thing that we tend to forget that we are multiple things. We need multiple things. We are of multiple things, and there's multiple things to sustain us. So if somebody is only focused on exercise, but they're, they don't care what they put into their body, not realizing that our body is still a chemical. Um, when we don't realize, you know, that... So there's diet, there's sleep, there's exercise, there's all of these different modalities. It's like the the sum, you know, is is they say it's as equal as the whole. You need all of these things to be able to go into your whole formula in order for you to be okay. Not just focusing on one or the other, but making sure that you are in a place of balance. And sleep is very important to that and I like that. Rest and restoration, because that's exactly what it relates to. Not to see. be surprised at all the information this woman has. What a blessing it is that we have her every single day at 6.15 a.m. So please go to Hey Dr. Nina, H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A. That's her handle in social media. Join her. And get her information and then pass it on. Tell other people about Dr. Shanine Knight. And she is one of the few infection preventionists in the whole wide world. And we need her. Today, it's election day in Chicago. It's the day we've been waiting for. And uh, what are you going to do? Are you voting? 209,000 people have voted already. That's more than double what we had four years ago. More than double. So what does that mean? Where are people voting? Where are we not voting? Who will be in the runoff? Will there be a runoff? What do you think? Call me at 773-763-9278. Back with more on the Santita Jackson Show on Election Day here in Chicago. Back in just a moment. 
is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It is voting day in Chicago. There are 15 open automatic seats and automatic seats. There are police council seats. There are, oh, that's right, the mayor's running. That's right. So it's a big, 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 big deal today. And everybody feels that way. This, there's like a low-grade excitement. You don't feel the snap, crackle, and pop in the air, but you certainly have seen it at the polls. 209,000 Chicagoans have voted already. That's more than double the, the balloting uh, before the election day four years ago. It's more than double the rate of what happened four years ago. 209,000 people. Unbelievable. So what's driving people to the polls? Is it the police races? Is it the automatic races? Is it the mayor's race? Who will, will there be a, a runoff? If there's a runoff, who will be in it for the mayoral race? I mean, let's talk about this on the Santita Jackson Show. We've got a lot of ground to cover here today on the Santita Jackson Show. Call us at 773-763-9278-773-763-WCPT. I want to know what you're thinking about. I want to know if you're voting. I want to know if you plan to vote today. Have you voted already? Uh, we had nine candidates. We have nine candidates. And, of course, we will be doing the wall-to-wall coverage here at WCPT tonight. So tune in because we will have people at all of the campaign headquarters and we'll be getting a perspective that you really, really need to hear right here on WCPT. Thank you, Joan Esposito and Patty Vasquez. I will be anchoring with them this evening. But also, um, we will... Uh, At Rainbow Push, as we've been doing for more than 50 years, if you need a ride, if you you need assistance with your voting, please call us. The doors are open now at at 930 East 50th Street. So that is uh, 773-FREEDOM is the number, 773-FREEDOM. If you have any trouble at the polls at all, call us. If you need to get to the polls, call us at Rainbow Push. And, of course, one eight six six our vote if you're having trouble when you literally get into the polls, we can call to push two. 773-FREEDOM, 773-FREEDOM. And we're going to get, um, in addition to Kitty Kurth and Kevin Lampy and Reverend Stephen Thurston, we're going to have uh, Reverend Jeanette Wilson, who is at Rainbow Push, um, as we are helping people get with the program today. Let me start with you, Pastor Stephen Thurston, 209,000 Chicagoans. It's just I'm glad so many people have voted, um, but that's a huge number. It's more than double what we had last year, I mean, four years ago this time. In your estimation, as you have been working in Roseland, you know, these overlooked communities, but the communities that people need to win, um, as you, of course, have the iconic New Covenant Baptist Church on Cottage Grove, you've been there for generations. What do you think is driving people to the polls? Are you seeing the same kind of the flurry of activity in the black community and the brown community? I'm seeing some movement. I'm seeing some excitement. I think, uh, at least from the people that I've engaged, they recognize that that there's been redistricting, and they're concerned about losing power, losing influence uh, as a people group. And so they're also seeing this new wave of younger people that are running for office. And I just sense, especially from some of our elders, some excitement about the future. 
that things might possibly change, that we might get some people in positions of power that really care about the people in the community and are going to do some work to make some effective change and to do some things that will hold black people in Chicago uh, as we recognize and look at the data and see this mass exodus of us from the city. And so I think these are elements that are driving people to a level of excitement. Well, concerning uh, that 200 to 300,000 black people have been driven out of Chicago. I mean, Indeed Political did a wonderful series. It, it was certainly was in depth. It talked about how one for 30 plus years ago, there were 1.2 million blacks in Chicago, 40% of the population. Now we're 29% and shrinking. Uh, we were the capital of black business. You know, what Chicago, what, what New York was to the artistic movement of the 20s and 30s, Chicago was to the economic movement, the fulfillment of so many uh, of our economic dreams and aspirations Dr. Marshall had, Reverend Dr. Marshall has from the New Mount Pilgrim Church. Um, but of course, uh, you've got the Sankofa Project, the MAFA uh, Redemption Project, what do you think is driving people to the polls? And indeed, the tribe has also this brilliant uh, media outfit uh, that really is seeking to change the narrative of African-Americans. Indeed, their co-founder and editor-in-chief will be with us at the bottom of the next hour. Uh, they found that while we've seen a surge in voting throughout Chicago, not so much on the west side. And in key places on the south side, not so much. What's going on? What are you seeing? What are you seeing with the vote, Reverend Dr. Marshall Hatch? Oh, thank you so much, Santita, and good morning to the radio audience and Reverend Thurston and uh, others that are sharing the day. Listen, it makes all the sense in the world to me. Uh, the stats that I saw that the that the early voting is up, uh, particularly on the north side. Uh, because really, it's the crime issue that's driving uh, people to the polls, uh, and 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 has people frightened in parts of the city that that normally they felt safe in. You know, uh, the violence has not been contained, as as Mayor Emanuel uh, said uh, when he when he was uh, in office. Uh, violence, by definition, is chaotic, and it is spilled out. And it is, uh, you know, people not feeling safe or being driven to the polls, and and that's what we're what we're seeing. Also, the black community, we've got these seven candidates running, and unfortunately, that sort of um, the almost confusion is is probably going to um, is probably going to diminish the vote in the black community simultaneously, while it's driven up in other areas. And I think that's part of what we're seeing reflected in the polls with Paul Vallis. Mm. Call us at 773-FREEDOM. Wow, 773-FREEDOM. Now, that's what you need to call if you need to get to polls and if you need some help. Rainbow Push is the place where you can get it on the ground here in Chicago. But I want to hear your thoughts. 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT. Tonight, we will be giving you the wall-to-wall coverage. Wow. Kitty Curse, 209,000-plus people, 209,820, according to the press report from yesterday, had voted. But we've got 15 aldermanic seats. We've got these police council seats. Can you? What do you see here? And... How do you think those kinds of races are impacting the vote, or are they impacting the vote at all? 
Well, I think that they're impacting the vote, but I won't know if they're impacting the vote until the <laughs> words. And sometimes the most fun part of Election Day is looking at what actually happened. But when people do go out today, I just want to say also, because there are fewer election workers, um, a lot of polling places have changed, and the place where you normally vote might not be the place where you're voting today. So if you want to check and make sure where you're supposed to vote today, go to chicagoelections.gov, the Chicago Board of Elections website. Go under, there's a, the first tab on the left is voting, and you can put in um, your address and where it'll tell you where you go and where you go and vote today. If you have any questions, if you get to the place where you usually vote and nobody's there, go to chicagoelections.gov and they can, you can find out where to vote. Their phone number is also on there. They're, you know, they've got people staffed. So don't worry, you can vote, but it might not be at the place where you normally vote or mm. where you have voted in other years. Oh, of course, many precincts. We saw this during the primary season, uh, during the midterms. So many that were closed. It impacted more than one hundred thousand Chicagoans. Kitty. Yeah. Well, I know. Like for example, our precinct um, has changed almost every election. Like the last fifteen years, we voted in a different place almost every election. You know, unfortunately, they can't get enough election judges, and it's too late for today. But next time, you know, they're always looking for election judges. It's a fun way to make a little money and feel like you're part of the system and that you're, you know, you're doing your civic duty. You can um, make some money and be a, be a judge next time. See what it's all about. Get involved. And you can find out about that at Chicago at um, ChicagoElections.gov also. Hmm. Your assessment, 209,820 souls had voted, had gotten to the polls by mail, or they had gone and they had walked in. Are you surprised by those numbers? And just what do they mean, you know, in terms of this preliminary assessment that we're making ahead of what we will find out tonight or tomorrow? I think that as as Kevin Lampy talks about, we have vote we have voting season and election day now. You know, we've made it easier for people to vote. You don't have to take time off of work. You don't have to. You know, if you're busy today, it's no problem. I think that the early voting totals mean that what we're doing is successful. We've made it easier for people to vote. And I think that's a good thing. Oh, I know it's a great thing. We do need it. We do need an election season. We really do. I mean, and we need to do this for the presidential election as well. I mean, and you should have access to the vote. Uh, that is, but that was never the original plan for us for everybody to vote. So it's something that we have to continue to fight for. Uh, Kevin Lampley, two hundred nine thousand people voting, mm, having voted. Does that? Does that mean anything to you? Is that something that we should pay attention to? 
I think what we're noticing, though, is where the vote's been coming from. I think the vote is is um, the, the the early vote is down in the in, in the in the south and west sides of the city, um, but the early vote is up on the north side of the city. And I think we're seeing it at the at the edges. Uh, I think you're seeing a surge in um, in votes that I think uh, unfortunately are going for Paul Vallis. But I think it's um, I think it's important that that people remember that you know this is a two step process today. We are. Um, because so I don't think anybody in the mayor's race is going to achieve 50% plus one vote. Um, so that, what that means is that we're going to elect the, the today, we're going to select the top two for mayor and in many wards, the top two for aldermen that will go into a runoff. And so it's kind of like a primary, but it's different. It's the top two that are going to go in for the mayor's race uh, because I don't think anybody's going to achieve that 50% plus one more vote to put him as the, the winner of it. So this is the first important process, and this is where people really need to participate because this is the day that's going to make the difference. Call us at 773-763-9278. I'm looking at the comments. People have a lot of comments, Kevin, about Paul Vallis. Renee says she hopes he does not win. She does not think that he would be good for the city. Other people are just are looking at, um, are telling people to get out and vote, telling people to get out and vote. But it's, as you said, we have to look at where the votes are coming from. And um, let me just address this. Thomas Grasser, I appreciate your participating in the show. And even though we have disagreements about various things, you still tune in, and I certainly appreciate that and want you to do that. But you've got to do it respectfully. I don't want you to even feel comfortable using the N-word as an abbreviation. You said it means there won't be another HNIC until the next, for the next four years. Do not dare. And you apologize for that comment or I invite you to leave. I will not have any people, black people, brown people, red people, yellow people, trans people, straight people, any kind of people, LGBTQ people, I'm not going to have anyone insulted in the chat line and on this show. And that's the end of that. Either you be here in a respectful way and we can, we can, we can disagree without being disagreeable, but you will not be insulting. You will not do that here. You go elsewhere to do that. Now, moving forward, I want to hear what your thoughts are, everybody. I mean, you know, one of the things that we have overlooked, um, these, as much as we're talking about crime, as much as we talk about police reform and on and on and on and on, these police council races. Would someone here please explain what the police councils are and why these races are of consequence? I mean, let's start with you, Reverend Dr. Hatch. What is the deal with these police council races? I think all of us are still uh, trying to figure that part out, but I, but th this is going to be another layer of police accountability uh, with, um, with, with people winning these races from districts that have been drawn uh, to um, to add another layer of accountability for uh, you know police conduct, and so they're they're going to be working parallel with the police board. Uh, you know they're going to also uh, you know represent their communities, and so we see a lot of activity. And you know, for example, uh, f five of the fifty wards have fifty-two percent of the police personnel. 
that you see in those uh, wards on the southwest side and on the northwest side. Uh, some of this um, early voting that we've seen increase are coming from those wards, from people who understand that this is another layer of um, of, uh, of of the police accountability process, and so they're they're going to. Um, yeah, and, you know they're going to be very influential of the, in 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 terms of um, uh, how we deal with cases of police misconduct, how we deal with the the uh, contract, and how ultimately uh, we have some community police relations that are going to be much 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 more uh, engaging for the citizens. And thank you for that. And I want uh, before I spread this question out to everyone else. I want to thank you, Thomas, for apologizing, because as you, as I called you out about what I felt was bad behavior, I must also call you out for being big enough to apologize. So I'm glad that you're going to stay. Thank you so much for that. Let's give Thomas some applause and some love. Let's keep it moving. If I don't do that to embarrass anyone, but I'm not going to have, and that having been said, I'm not going to have anyone made to feel, made to feel small. I'm not going to have anyone diminished here. Absolutely not. We're not going to do that here. But, you know, Pastor Thurston, with all of the discussions that we've had about the police, no one is shocked about running for these police councils. I mean, we don't even know what they are. I had to dig and ask people, okay, you're running for a police council. Why? What is What is it? And, you know, because we're looking at the mayor's race. We look at these, uh, the state races, the county races. We look at all these races. We look at the, you know, certainly we look at national races. You know, who's going to go to Congress, either house, who's going to be the president. But these councils and these, uh, the all Germanic races, they really govern how we live. And with all of the discussions, Pastor Thurston, that we've had about police reform, with the attacks that Brandon Johnson has talked to, when he talks about treatment, not trauma, um, we're, I don't think we're paying enough attention to those races, Pastor Thurston. I mean, and we're certainly not recruiting people to run for these police councils. Exactly. And that's that's crucial. We have to be educated on it so that we can position people and create a pipeline of people who have a passion, care, and concern. I sat last week at City Hall in a subject matter hearing uh, as it relates to Proud Boys and things of that nature, and it was amazing how the police and the people that the mayor has put in power and position exploited loopholes uh, to allow people who have publicly said, I'm a member of the Proud Boys, to remain on the Chicago Police Department. You can literally say, I'm a part of the KKK, I'm a part of the Proud Boys, I'm a part of, uh, I forgot the other name, of the other group, and they can still remain active police officers. So it is important that we understand these opportunities, these roles, these positions, the power that comes with them, and actively engage them uh, to bring about some change as it relates to police violence on our citizens in our community. Thing for these police council seats, you know, I mean, Kevin, and when you have a candidate like Paul Vallis, who is, you know, when he goes to the north side, his language changes. And of course, you know, our vernacular changes according to the audience that we're speaking to. I get that. But um, he is running a campaign that is geared toward, I would say, white fears and white anxiety. There's no question about it. And, and white anger. And I'm just wondering what will be the impact um, should he win? Because I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk 
to getting to to develop to having a mayor in 2023. There's too much at stake, and everybody knows it. Uh, Kevin Lampy, I mean, what's the deal? I mean, because we're not talking about these. I mean, even corporate media, they're not talking about these police rate these police council races, and they are of tremendous consequence, Kevin, and particularly since everybody's running on law and order. Oh, absolutely, Santita, and it is um, it is important that people participate in these. Um, um, in, in the Chicago Reader um, has a wonderful uh, breakdown of everybody that's running with with their backgrounds and who's supporting them and what their vision of what they see in these uh, these uh, district these police district councils. These are incredibly important. You know, we have created this. The, 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 as you say, the corporate media and and the candidates themselves, they, they turn into kind of this vicious circle where the media says, oh, crime is so important. And all the candidates talk about how crime is so important. And then the media says, oh, look, the candidates are saying crime is so important. Um, and, and, and public safety has become like this code word and that we always get fall into these dog whistle uh, situations where, oh, you know, you know, law and order, law and order. Well, Nixon, you know, when he ran for president, he created this situation where, where when he was saying law and order, he was actually meeting let's 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 oppress the, the the minority communities in this country. That's what we need to take a look at. That's why these police councils are so 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 important. Because they also have to look at you know who is supporting the people behind the candidates that are running for these sister councils. This is a the district councils, the police district councils, is an important step in democracy. In order to to have, keep um, our city, our, our, the police department accountable, in order to keep our government accountable, it's about participation, not observation. And by doing that, by participating in the process, you can become engaged, and things are going to be. I think hopefully things are going to get better. I'm an eternal optimist, always. Uh, you know, we're missing some big races, and I think we're missing some big opportunities, you know, with these police council races. And, you know, you are the one who said, let me dig down and find out about these uh, about these aldermanic races. I mean, there's 15 open seats. And, I mean, this is big. Do you think we paid enough attention to, uh, to these races? I mean, because everyone's been focused on who will be the mayor instead of who's going to be serving in all of these other capacities, Kitty. I tell you what, Waverly King says anyone is better than Lori Lightfoot. Willie Wilson is the only candidate. Uh, okay, first comes, I'm trying to understand what you're saying, Waverly, but I'm clear that you do not like Lori Lightfoot. Wow. The antipathy toward um, toward the mayor is just, I think, Kevin, I heard you jumping in. It's just, it's really stunning. Um, it's really, really, stay right there. I know I know. Uh, Pastor Thurston is going to have to leave. Just give us, you know, wrap up what, what you're thinking we're going to see today. And, um, and, of course, encourage people to vote. Pastor Stephen Thurston, New Covenant Baptist Church and Salem Baptist Church. I will encourage people to exercise the voice that's been given to them um, to elevate people who are marginalized and minimized. And you do that by exercising your vote, putting people in place and in position that have care, compassion, and concern for the least of these. So let's 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 vote with our conscience today. Uh, let's vote for people who are aligned with our morals 
and our goals to make the city of Chicago the best place it can be for everybody, not just a few people. And get people back in the city. Goodness gracious, Pastor Thurston, 200 to 300,000 people. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's black flight out of Chicago. And it's not like we wanted to leave. It's like we can push out of here, Pastor Thurston. That's it. They've created a black hole, literally. Well, I'd leave it to a preacher to get, put it that way, uh, <laughs> Pastor Hatch. <laughs> I mean, it is a black hole. Yeah. It's a black hole. You know, when you when you knock down the Robert Taylor home, that's 100,000 people. That was not just a project, everybody. It was a project. It was a place where people lived. It was a community. That's what we used to have, Pastor Hatch. You remember where we used to have the Soul Saint and, and the Black Christmas Parade? That's when we would have it. Right down yeah, State I, Street, I, Robert I, Taylor Homes. I grew up in public housing. Jane Adams Public Housing. The site where the National Public Housing Museum is going to sit in about a year. Is where I lived, and it totally destabilized Black Chicago uh, when uh, those those buildings were those projects were uh, dismantled, and then the people were scattered. And uh, it is one of the great tragedies. Absolutely, my parents' first family home were. My mother, father, and I lived, when I was a newborn, was a housing project in Greensboro, North Carolina. They went to college. That's when they could afford to live. And I'm proud of that. I just, I thank God for that. But think about all of the, the people who've been displaced. Communities, schools, all of that. We'll talk about that. These are the things that we're voting about. At least the things we should be voting about. Somebody's voting in Chicago. On the south and west side. Ooh, the numbers are a little down, but let's let's make that up today. Back and forth with Anthony Jackson Show in just a minute. We can change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, we can. We can change the world. We can change the world, change the world. This is the Santita Jackson Show. everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. It is election day in Chicago. Not only are we looking to elect the mayor, we are re-elect the mayor. We are also looking to fill police council seats. Have the police, have the FOP run their own candidates? Of course they have. You need to make sure that you vote for your candidate. That having been said, we've also got 15 open automatic seats, and we have record-setting voting. A little more than 100,000 people have voted four years ago this time. Just prior to the election, during the election season, more than 209,000 people have voted as of yesterday. Wow. Where are they voting? The tribe and the fair co-founder and editor-in-chief, Tiffany Walden, who will be with us at the bottom of the hour with Reverend Jesse Jackson, their data shows, their investigative reporting shows that on the west side and on these in select south side neighborhoods, voting is down. So what does that say? We're seeing a surge in voting. Is it in the white community? I mean, are people going to make that stand for Paul Vallis as they believe he's standing for them? Hmm. He has another story when he comes to the black force, uh, which is, you know, and 
and he has black allies. I mean, and everybody should be allowed to do what they what they want to do, but we need to look at people's records so that we can understand uh, what they have done, because what's passed off times is what's prologue. So, everybody, please get out and vote today. Get out and vote. I'm going to be running off the air today because I'm going to go vote with my father, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, and we have got to get these votes in today. So, let's get to some of these headlines so that we can get on with the show, everybody. Rainbow Push. As we've been doing for more than 50 years, you will be able to call 773-FREEDOM if you need a ride to the polls, if you're having trouble at the polls. 773-FREEDOM is where you need to be. And go on over there and volunteer because we are just taking care of people today. It's kind of like voting central. That's what we do at Rainbow Push at 930 In Chicago, we will have a high of 42 degrees. It will be cloudy today. Minneapolis-St. Paul, 37 degrees, mostly cloudy. In the NBA, the Timberwolves will be facing off against the Clippers and the Bulls will be facing the Raptors. In the NHL, the Ducks will triumph over Chicago 4-2, and the Islanders will be facing the Wild. We are about to kick off our soccer season, at least on the male side. On Saturday, everybody, don't forget it, Chicago Fire, they need our support. The Chicago Fire, Saturday, March 4th versus New York City. Love it, love it, love it. 15 open city council seats here in Chicago. It's police council, the mayor's seat. So much is on the line. Have you voted? Are you planning to vote? Please get out, everybody. Get out and vote. Do not let the minority make a majority decision. The Supreme Court will take up two challenges today concerning President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness program. Up to 20000 Dollars in loans could be forgiven for millions of people. $430 billion are on the line. And a surprise visit to Kiev on Monday, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen met with Ukrainian President Zelensky to reaffirm U.S. economic support for Ukraine. And nearly 50 million people across the Northeast are under winter weather alerts today as a storm that brought tornadoes and damaging winds to the central United States, right where we are, sweeps into Boston and New York City and the Northeast. Okay, Boston and New York are on track for their biggest snow events of an unusually warm winter. Just last week in New York City, it was almost 70 degrees. Now they're going to have significant snowfall. So those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. You know, as we talk about economic opportunity, because being up underneath crime and all of these things in this mayoral election is a lack of access to the money, to the money, everybody, and to home ownership and the like. So we want you to reach out to Team Hochberg because they have a new program, everybody, that could be very helpful to you. If you are a first-time home buyer, which means you have not owned a home over the past three years, you need to call Team Hochberg, your trusted local lender. First-time buyers made up just 26% of home buyers last year. That's down 34th from 34% the year before. And it's the lowest rate of home ownership of just purchasing of homes in more than 40 years. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac want to turn these numbers around and they can work with you and people like teams like Team Hotboard to make that happen. They're going to incentivize first-time home buyers with substantially lower rates. Now, this can change at any time. You need to go on and take advantage of this right now. If you live in Chicago and earn less than $105,000, Seven hundred, one hundred five thousand seven hundred dollars, and you've not owned a home within the past three years. Call Team Hotspurg to see qualify for these low interest rates. Everybody, 
He can change it any time. So please call them today at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID. And go on to their website, 56david.com, so you can see what they're all about, everybody. Uh, this special offer will expire at any time. It will expire. So right now, please get in there. Don't miss this opportunity to secure your low rate. To see if you, your kids, you want to build generational wealth, your grandkids, if they can qualify for these low rates, call Team Hockberg at 855-56-DAVID or visit them at 56david.com. 209,000 people voted in this mayoral election, 209,000 people. So what does all this mean? What does all this mean? And um, please, of course, all's well covered here on WCPT uh, tonight, uh, starting, well, just stay out on WCPT all day. We're going to be giving you the greatest and the greatest on this election, everybody. Joining Kitty Kurth and Kevin Lampy and Reverend Dr. Marshall Hatch, Reverend Jeanette Wilson. Well, I'm Rainbow Push. Before I get back to the rest of the panel, 209,000 people, 820 as of yesterday, had voted in this mayoral election. Um, are you surprised by that, Robert Wilson? No, I'm not. I think that this election has uh, really polarized the city of Chicago in ways that, or at least demonstrated our polarization in ways that we had not noticed in pre- previous elections. Mr. Vallis's candidacy has uh, increased the turnout in many of the white ethnic wards in ways that they had not been uh, so focused in prior years because we've not had this kind of divisiveness within the black community. You know, to have seven candidates running for mayor, seven black candidates running for mayor, they're basically running against each other, which allows the white candidate, Paul Vallis, to build his base of support and maybe get some uh, black and brown votes to push himself into uh, what we now know is perhaps going to be a runoff. So I'm not surprised. It is unfortunate, and I think part of it has been driven by the uh, police-involved shootings, the police actions within different parts of the city, their responses in black and brown communities versus how they respond in majority communities. And and then uh, the fraternal order of police has been a most divisive force in this city. And for Vallis to receive support from them aligns him in ways that he perhaps did not imagine being aligned with the police and with the FOP, which has been contrary to justice in the city of Chicago. Hmm. What do you make of this? I mean... Ah, Kitty Kurtz, it just seems that um, it's not just dog whistle politics, it's like he's been on a megaphone. And um, I just wonder what this portends for our politics going forward. I mean, how will this impact the behavior of the police? Um, how will this, how could this impact our politics in Chicago? Because, you know, we have been practicing progressive you know, more or less, you know, coalition politics now for more than 40 years. Um, is that over, Kitty Kurtz? I, I don't think so, and I don't think anyone should panic right now. But, you know, Election Day is us, is the government 
asking and and society asking people their opinion how do you want to be governed who do you want to represent you how do you want your voice to be heard and i just think it's such a privilege and an honor that somebody wants to know my opinion that i think everybody needs to get out there go to the polls if you hate your alderman you need to go to the polls and vote for somebody else if you love your alderman, you need to go to the polls and vote for your alderman. If you don't know who your alderman is, and that's very possible because all the lines have changed this year, you need to go to ChicagoElections.gov, put in your address, and see who represents you. But for the city at large, there is no excuse to not vote in this mayoral election. No matter what you believe, no matter what you think, there is a candidate who represents your choices. That's the one thing about having all these candidates running for mayor is everybody. No matter what you believe, one of these candidates will align with your choice, with your ideas. If you don't know what they you can go to the Sun-Times, and there is a quiz on there. You put in how you feel about different issues, and it lines you up with a candidate who has those same opinions or similar opinions. But really, we are so lucky to be able to get out, whether you like Lori Lightfoot or Chewy Garcia or Brandon Johnson or Sophia King or Rod Sawyer, today's the day. Go and let people know. You've got until 7 o'clock. There's no excuse. Get out there and let us know how you feel. Hmm. Kevin Lampy, you have decried uh, the, the dog whistle politics. Um, do, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, how how have how have those politics shaped this campaign? How how are they how are they shaping this electoral cycle, just generally speaking? I think what has happened is because there's been this focus on public safety, which is important, um, and it is is one of the most important topics that you know people need to feel secure in their homes, need to feel secure in their neighborhoods. But we also need to look at beyond just that. What are you know? What about economic development? What about the Chicago public schools? What about infrastructure? What about lead pipes in, in our water? It, there is a, a, a whole spectrum of issues that need to be discussed. But what happens often, and we've seen it happen, is candidates will will go to the easiest thing to talk about all the time. And I work with candidates professionally, and we always want. Our council is to talk about a variety of things, and, and one of the things that I think is key that we talk about in council, our, our candidates that we're working with, is if you're going to point out a problem, point out a solution. And then let's look at things like, you know, for instance, what are we talking, when we're talking about public safety, let's talk about economic development. Let's talk about public education. Let's talk about access to capital. So these are the things that are going to be important, and these are things that we demand of our elected officials. In, in where are the solutions and how can we work together to make the city a better place and to be able to make it a place that we, we people want to stay and they want to raise their families and they want to contribute and be a part of that total society. Hmm. Reverend Dr. Hatch, I mean, what are you seeing? We've got 209,000 people who voted um, and in the tribes, investigative reporting has shown that um, 
on the west side, we don't see that kind of surge. In key areas of the south side, we don't see that kind of surge. And with a black exodus outside of the city, I mean, Politico, just a wonderful, wonderful series on black political and economic power. And Chicago was at the heart of that. Not so much anymore, right? So, I mean, talk to us. What are you seeing? Well, you know, this is another variation, unfortunately, of of Bernie Epton's uh, Before It's Too Late. Uh, you know, that that's the dog whistle that uh, Paul Vallis has been blowing. This is something that's been in the making a long time. Some of us remember reading John Cash over the last couple of years. Uh, Paul Vallis has been stalking for a minute on this on this uh, seat. And uh, and and he's he's running as as the as the white people's candidate at at, at this time as a Greek, you know. So that uh, that there's a whole part of that tribe that's been behind this. And so you know we are going to have to regather here in uh, you know in Black Chicago. It has been a a place where we've been create, created a a dynamic history. As you mentioned, a real mecca for black economic development here, a black political aspiration out of Chicago, and our community's been—it's been disoriented and dismantled. I mean, the reason why we have a nonpartisan runoff election in the first place—it was a reaction to Hell Washington's election and re-election, an unfortunate demise, and unfortunate splintering. And so it is. Uh, it, it, it's going to be a time for regathering after this. After the dust settles, uh, I think we're going to have to, um, you know, come together in the black community, in the progressive community, and not allow the city to simply disintegrate into sort of a tribal and neighborhood, uh, you know, um, uh, warfare where we basically, uh, you know, see the the rise again of the white ethnics where the police are let loose in our community uh and 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 i think that's part of what this narrative is with uh with the violence alignment with the fop you know release the police to do their jobs no we believe that we can have constitutional policing and safe cities at the same time and so we're, we're going to have to simply fight back and uh, and so, you know, that, that begins today. Now, everybody needs to get out to vote. Every vote counts, no matter who you vote for, uh, because every vote, the more votes there are, it means the less likely it will be that somebody will get 50.1%, 50 plus 1% of the vote, and, we, and therefore we get a runoff and a closer look at these candidates and a closer scrutiny. You know, I, I was interviewed yesterday by the New York Times, so they're looking at Paul Vallis and they're expecting him to make the runoff. And a closer look, I chaired the board of Chicago State when Paul Vallis was sent over there by Governor uh, Rana's uh, education liaison, Beth Purvis, and uh, and and got a chance to 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 see to see him up close as as Reverend Wilson has as well, and so. Um, we're going to have another shot at this and another opportunity for the city to say that we're not going backward by our fears, but we're going forward by our aspirations of one city. You know, 
Well, I think it's important to make the point that having um, black people, women, people of color um, move into these offices is not about... Um, it's not about their color. It's about how they've experienced America and the world. And when you've experienced America from the bottom up and you remember that and you treasure that, then you want to ensure that everyone will be able to enjoy the opportunities that exist in this country. And, you know, because that to me is the point. Because you can have black tyrants, you can have tyrants in every iteration. That's not what I'm signing up for. I'm talking about having someone in office who is going to take what is it Reverend Jackson says, who's going to look at the world from the manger up, not the mansion down. Let me go to Ted from Bentonville. Ted, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning, everybody. I uh, appreciate the show listening to you. I want to say that I don't live in the city, but I was actually born in Chicago, everybody. Proud of that. And, you know, as far as... Chicago, come on, don't don't leave us now, kid. (laughs) Well, you know, it wasn't my choice. My parents, when I was a little guy, but I was born in the city, you know. But uh, but in any event, guys, you know, when you talk about dog whistle, there's no dog whistle to these scenes that they show on the news where streets have been taken over in the city. People are doing wheelies, burning out. Everybody's standing around in a group, laughing at it, having a good time. This is in a major city street at night in Chicago. It makes it look like to everybody that, you know, if people don't want to obey the law, they can take over and there's nothing really anybody can do. Sometimes there's even police cars around the periphery, you know, observing. I'm imagine that nobody's shooting each other, but it's, but they have to let the, the thing go on. I guess, what is it, street drag racing, street messing with the street with your cars, but you know, it's a whole bunch of people, and it really does give the impression that, uh, you know, that there is no law and order. That, hey, if we want, we could take over the streets and have a drag race and just disrupt whatever we want. And that's what, that's why, that's how Paul Vallis comes to the, to the foreground when you see scenes like that. Now, Eric, just so Jehovah, stay right there, Ted. Now, Eric, if I'm not going to tolerate this from Thomas, I'm not going to tolerate it from you. I don't care what color you are. We're not going to use this rude, vile language about anybody here. So now you need to apologize or I invite your leave as well. We're just not going to do that here. If you want to do that, you just find another show. I don't run that kind of operation here. My whole point, normally I accept the good job of to lift people up. Okay? So when you say offer an N-word, a Cadillac, and just watch, just stop it. Stop. Now, either you have something positive and constructive to offer this, uh, to, to bring to this conversation, or just please stay out. Stay out. I don't want any more poison. I don't want it here. But you know what I have to tell you? I don't see drag races. Now, mind you, you know, I live in a very stable community. But I, I don't see all this, this wild and out Chicago that everybody's talking about. It's, it's not everywhere. And we act as if we don't have crime in the white community, and, we, and, and we're not looking at where it's coming from, Ted, I mean, at all. I mean, because you know what? If you notice, you don't have drug busts on college campuses. And God knows you have drugs. Oh, my gosh. All of us went to college. Wait a minute. Drug, are you calling cannabis a drug? Are you calling cannabis a drug? 
Yeah, back in, back in the day when I was in college a thousand years ago, absolutely it was, and it still is. Okay, well, so now are you picking your, your freedom battles then? No, 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 I'm not picking them. I'm saying that what I'm saying, even I, we, I didn't even mention cannabis. I mean, because it's not just cannabis that people do on college campuses. They do, they do coke and they do everything, kids. They do it all. But you don't have drug busts on college campuses. You have them in the black and brown communities where these white kids come and buy their drugs. How about that? Hey, I got one minute for you to respond. Uh, cannabis has been another battle people have had to fight their whole life to not be a criminal for being smart enough to choose that over drinking. That's a different. But, but I want, look, my point, Ted, was simply this: we have we have we criminalized marijuana for a long time, and then we still have people in jail right now for having possessed it. Yeah, and then you have little white kids out west who are able to make money from it, so and then black folks. To make it a race. Black people You're bringing up the no. kids and the white kids. Of course, of course, I'm making. Of course, I'm bringing up race kids because race and racism is at the center of American life. Avoiding it is not going to change anything. I'm not that one. Yeah, I'm not making it about race. I didn't invent racism. Somebody else did that. I didn't racialize slavery. Somebody else did that. Stop. Don't put this on me. I'm fighting racism. Somebody else is upholding it. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Joy in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show on WCPTA 20, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio. The voice of progressive Minnesota. We are going to be giving you wall-to-wall coverage all day here on... WCBT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, really looking at one of or some of the most consequential urban races in the world. Who will become the next mayor of Chicago? We're going to get one step closer at least tonight to finding out. And who's going to occupy these police boards all over the city? Hmm, got to find out about that and find out exactly what they do. What about these 15 open automatic seats? Who will be in the new city council, the newly comprised and composed city council? Uh, of course, Kitty Kirk stayed with us, brilliant political strategist, crisis manager. There's so much that she has done all over the world. We've got uh, Reverend Dr. Marshall Hatch, who uh, is the pastor of the New Mount Pilgrim Baptist Church on the west side of Chicago, but he was also the uh, religious affairs director for Rainbow Push, and you never, ever leave Reverend, uh, we never leave his orbit, even when we don't formally work for him anymore, Pastor Hatch. We're going to have Tina Walden on from the tribe, the co-editor and co-founder. I mean, she is the editor-in-chief and the co-founder of the tribe. And we have as our special guest today someone who really has changed Chicago as we know it. When, As a matter of course, we see top-tier people of color, women running for office. No one can lay greater claim to making that happen than Reverend Jesse Jackson. We're so honored that he's with us today. As we go to Reverend Jackson and pivot to him today, and uh, 
remind people, Reverend Hatch, that we are going, we are open at Rainbow Push now. If you need any help, get into the polls. At the polls, we are there for you. 773 Freedom. Chappelle, you've got an event at the beginning of March. Very quickly, when is it? Yes, yeah, so we're having the Co- Courtney Copeland Memorial Foundation Gala. That's going to be on Friday, uh, March 3rd at the JLM Community Center, 2622 West Jackson. We're asking everyone to come out and support this great charity. We're raising money for our college scholarship fund. So please visit www.copelandmemorial.com. That's www.copelandmemorial.com. Thank you so much, Santita. Fantastic. Reverend Jackson, we have got 209,000 people, 209,000 people plus, who have voted already as of yesterday. That's more than double than those who had voted in the lead-up to the final day of voting four years ago. Um, You have got seven black candidates. You've got Chewie Garcia, uh, who could become the first Latino mayor in our history. You've got Paul Vallis, who's been running, along with Willie Wilson, to be fair, on Law & Order. It's quite a field, and it says a whole lot. What's our takeaway from this election, Reverend Jackson? Well, we we defied the Harold Washington's formula for winning. It's so diverse and yet so white, really. Uh, One, he said we have to have uh, an even playing field of two, have to have uh, one candidate for 5,000 voters and raise half a million dollars. So far, none has followed that formula. Now, the difference, of course, is we have in, in the office a black woman, uh, Mr. Lightfoot, opposed to Jane Burns, who was an object of our, of our division for a long time. So I'm concerned that you have seven blacks running. Uh, if they just strip off a little from each other, makes puts us in a very weaker position. That's not going to talk about later today about what we must do to, again, ever stop having this travesty travis again. Hmm. You can red sand vote today. You really, if you're not, you can red sand vote today. Never happened before. Hmm. Well, you know, we can register and vote today. I mean, you've been reminding us of that too, Kitty Curse. That I mean, all is not lost. If you just decide at the last minute you want to vote, you can go on and do that, Kitty. You can go to the polls and register and vote today. And I don't know about everybody listening, but I always love it when somebody asks my opinion. And, you know, voting, we're asking your opinion. How do you want your life to look for the next four years? What do you want to be going on in your schools and in your community for the next four years? If you care about what happens when you get up every morning, You should care enough to go to the polls today. You can register and vote. If you don't know where you're supposed to go, go to chicagoelections.gov. Put in your address. It'll tell you who you can vote for. It'll tell you where to go to the polls to vote. Like Reverend Jackson said, you can go and register right on site today. There's really no excuse. And I just... Uh, You know, I like it so much when people ask me my opinion. I can't imagine not wanting to go to the polls and give your opinion. Mm, Everybody, before we bring on Tiffany Walden, Pastor Hatch, um, you've been at Rainbow Push every election day. We are always, always, we open up early. We open up with the polls. 
just to make sure that people uh, get have their needs met. Can you speak to that? 50th and Drexel and then uh, Freedom uh, is what you dial. It, it is always, as every year, Rainbow Push, a real get-out-the-vote election central. And as Reverend Jackson has said, we listen, this is one of the most uh, uh, accessible voting states in the country. You can register and vote today. And if you have uh, any problem or any question, you can call Rainbow Push uh, at uh, with Freedom on your on your telephone. And so th- this is the day. We got plenty of time to do a post mortem after the day, but for now, you have an opportunity to participate in this crucial election uh, that will determine the direction of the city you live in. Well, you know, Reverend Jackson, some of the best reporting we've had on what's happening in Chicago, and um, indeed, Kitty Curse, you have a lot of admiration for the tribe. We all do. Reverend is the tribe, the tribe, the tribe. Well, we have got their co-founder and editor-in-chief with us today. We're so excited to have you, Tiffany Walden. Tiffany, just giving you some runway. We are looking at 209,000 people who have voted already. And yet your reporting from on the tribe has shown that uh, you have not seen the surge, at least as of last week, a surge of voting in key areas on the west side, key black areas on the west side, key black areas on the south side. Speak to that. Who's voting? Thank you so much for having me on. Um, yes, uh, even as of last night, when you look at the, the map of who's voting in what wards, um, there's a ward on the southwest side, the 19th ward that encompasses uh, Beverly and Mount Greenwood. They're um, they're coming out to to vote in in masses. They're, they're they have one of the highest uh, voter turnouts right now. There's also another ward on the northwest side uh, in the 44th 41st ward uh, around where O'Hare Airport is. Um, they have the highest turnout right now, and those are wards where. It's a predominantly white community. Um, a lot of police live in those wards. A lot of city employees live in those wards. So that's who's been uh, turning out to early vote. Uh, we haven't seen the high turnout for the south and west side, like predominantly black south and west side wards. But I'm hoping that today folks come out, folks vote. Folks uh, may want to physically be at the poll and vote today. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can see that high turnout in our wards. Why do you suspect you've not seen the high turnout in these black areas? It's hard to say. Um, I think that, I'm sorry, did someone already start talking? Oh, no, no, it's you. You, you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that it depends on the, it depends on the contest, too. Like in some of these wars with the highest voter turnout, you also have the police district council races, which are new. Um, and in those uh, races, you have people who want to run and be on the council to, to, to be holding the police department accountable. But at the same time, uh, some police don't want to be held accountable. And so you have uh, some of those candidates who are backed by the FOP. The FOP has spent a lot of money uh, in these races, in the police district races. And so a lot of people are turning out to vote for those. Some of these wards um, have highly contested automatic races. Uh, so people are turning out for those. Um, 
so with the with the uh, black and brown wards in Chicago, although some of those wards do have highly contested races, I think people uh, have just been a little bit overwhelmed by the election. There may be election fatigue. We just voted in November and now we're voting again. And so it could be a situation where people were just undecided. You know, they didn't know exactly who they wanted to vote for um, until today, hopefully, and that people have decided today who they're voting for and they're going out to the polls today. Hmm. Mr. Jackson, Mr. Yes. Mr. Houston, and to the group, uh, it's a, an ill win that puts seven candidates in a race like this. Paul Brothers and the rest of them, as many men and white people see the same, tend to take the city back. And many of us are not appreciated who we've had since Harold Washington today. Uh, we had the divided campaign with uh, Edmonds and uh, Tim uh, and, and, and Sawyer. And Sawyer, we have won today, and we still have a good chance of losing. I hope that we'll win. If we turn out and turn, the shakes are so high. There are 42 schools in the city, 42 schools, 23 less, or less students. Manya High on the west side, there's 25, 65 students with 25 teachers. So this is a big issue, and we cannot just be concerned about politics when the ads are running. This is an everyday thing for your children. Mm. I mean, well, what are the key issues, Reverend Jackson, as you see it? I mean, the corporate media has said it's crime. What would you say the key issues or issue is in this campaign? The candidates have said crime. I mean, you got, with the Wilson so far, the right of balance, the balance of law and resources, but it didn't even seem like it. Everybody's into the crime thing. After the crime is not the presence of jobs and justice, all these vacant lots uh, should be given away to a uh, who will build some of them, uh, people who will build some of them who live in the community. The economic development is a big issue. And, and last week we went to see a courthouse with the city hall, uh, not the county building. 5,900 people there, about uh, 80% of African-American boys who raised most of them to vote. I said, you can vote for your, you can determine who your judge will be. What? Yeah, you, you won't be a judge. They just did not know. So we have a uh, serious challenge there. This is over tomorrow. I had a meeting in the process of elimination. A kind of plebiscite. Harold Washington said, you can only have one person running. Some of us could have run. She's about the other high profile. I had a high profile and all that. See, if many two of us run, we'll lose. So none of us did run. But mm-hmm. the candidates must have that kind of distance. Well, 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 let me ask you, Tiffany Walden, what, do you, what have been the impact of having seven black candidates? I mean, I have to tell you, um, just for a, a couple of generations, we, and, you know, Reverend Hatch can attest to this, Really, would given the work that we that we saw in the community with Rainbow Push, with Coco, and just the West Side organization, and so many, we would come together, and we knew we needed to come together, Pastor Hatch. But that's not what's happening right now. Before I get to you, before I pivot to you, Tiffany, Pastor Hatch, that, I've got about a minute. That's that didn't happen this time, and so now people are like, I don't even know who to vote for. Yeah, and that's why at this state we just need to make sure people vote whoever they vote for because we can make this runoff system work against the people who tried to have it work against us, which means we get another bite at the apple 
uh, in a runoff. But that's only if everybody votes. And so, you know, unfortunately, we got seven black candidates. But after today, there'll only be two candidates. And so I think that we'll have an opportunity to coalesce uh, around a progressive candidate uh, if the polls hold up and Paul Vallis makes the makes the runoff. Uh, hopefully we can get a progressive candidate to squeak through and then we have another bite at the apple. So everybody has to vote today. Everybody has to vote today. Tiffany Walden, seven black candidates. I mean, because you do, you focus so much of your work on what black alders are doing and what's happening in the black community. How have these seven black candidates shaped, you know, black voting consensus? Uh, I agree with Reverend Hatch. I think, um, you know, an addition to that is that it's really just split the vote in ways that um, could really hurt um, our community and could lead to a pathway for Paul Vallis to win. But I'm hoping that, uh, like, you know, Reverend Hatch said, that we have a progressive candidate come in during the runoff and um, and help us coalesce around them. But I think we, we ran a story early uh, or late last year about are there too many black people running for mayor in Chicago? It was a very controversial question when we posted it on social media that people uh, we learned really didn't understand the concept of, of splitting the vote. You know, a lot of young uh, black Chicagoans saw seven black candidates running and they thought, oh my God, like representation, like we're in a place where seven people can run for mayor. That's amazing. And we found ourselves having to have this conversation with those young people, um, letting them know what splitting the vote means and how this is, uh, you know, hurtful to the black community when you have so many people running. And um, it was a it was a very interesting conversation to have. And I think that we're we think that everyone knows and understands how politics works. And we kind of assume that everyone knows and understands um, how voting works. But sometimes we have to take that step back and realize that people don't. And so a lot of our work has been educating folks on, you know, what it means to have seven black people running in this race and and how we have to strategize around voting for the person who has uh, the best chance to win. Reverend Jackson, the last minute belongs to you. Reverend, the last minute belongs to you. About five are running to a tipping. I mean, two are running, five are tipping. Uh, it seems that that uh, there's a contest between Blackfoot and and and, Mar- and uh, Johnson. Uh, other them, I urge them, I appeal to them, please, please, if you will, decide who is number two person. That, that became a, a, a running joke with my number two. In fact, you have to make a decision at this point in time. My will, thy will, over my will. Right now, we chose my will over that will. Very selfish concern with the, with the, with the, with the voting people. Rabbit habit. Well, you know, we will see where we are tonight. I'm here on WCPT. We'll be at Rainbow Push all day. I'm about to run out of here, Daddy, so I can come and vote with you. Let us get it out get out of here. Board operator, thank you for a fantastic show. Reverend Hatch, Kitty Kerr, Tiffany Walden, everybody subscribe to the chart at T-R-I-I-B-E. They get some of the best reporting in all of Germany. And um, thank you to everybody for being here. Get out and vote, everybody. Get out and vote. Don't let the minority make a majority decision. I love you. Can't wait to see you tonight and speak with you tonight on WCPT as we give you walls to wall coverage. And call 773 Freedom if you need me help. 
Rainbow Plus. Love you, everybody. God bless you. See you tonight and tomorrow.